0: So All right. you know, as I walk around on the weekends, and particularly on Tuesday, uh, after our service, and you, you guys are, when you get through eating and eating all of the desserts, trying to get to the desserts before Galen does uh, I, I'm often given suggestions. I'm often asked a lot of questions. This morning I was asked, uh, would I clarify some things? And I love those comments. Uh, even at those that say, how long have you worked here, not counting next week? Uh, I take those with sweetness. But t- lately I've had people say to me, Pastor, why do you push us? And they, they use various terms. I like to say that I encourage and challenge you then I, I'm asked, don't you know that we're just an older congregation that uh, we we just, you know, uh, what is it with you? I, I know who I'm sharing with. Every morning my body tells me exactly what my age is. Sometimes it feels like it's a lot older. But there's one thing that I know as a pastor. When I stand before God... I'm not only going to give an account for my life, but I'm going to give an account for every time I've stood in a pulpit, preached the gospel, or taught. And God ordained me and every other pastor to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And in equipping, then we bless and turn you loose. That's how the early church did it. That's how we're going to do it till Jesus Christ comes back. You see, right now I realize I'm living under the same cloud that you guys are. Every day when I think I cannot be astounded anymore, I'm astounded at some of the things that are happening. And it's just, you know, I I go back to what we've all said. You know, back in my day, you know, that wasn't going on. Uh, a lot of it was, but it just wasn't advertised. See, sin hasn't changed <laughs> at all from the garden. But see, now we are being pressurized. I, I, you know, Satan is like us. He doesn't know when Jesus is coming back. But just to, every time I think when the sun comes up and it looks a little out of the ordinary, I think Satan, Satan is shaking. Because he knows when Jesus comes back, his final, he's already defeated, but his eternal destination will be set because Jesus is going to chunk him into hell. These are dark days and these are crazy days and there's fear. And if you don't watch out, you'll let that stuff get into your head. As we age and go through the I call them the seasons of our life. How we operate and the things that we once did. Those things may move into another way. But I want you to know that my challenge to you is to get back in the game if you're not. Because you see, we are, as we say in our wedding vows to the man and wife, until death do you part. Uh... We make a little correction when we talk about our relationship with Jesus because death doesn't depart us. Death ushers us into his presence. And up until that time, we're going to be feeding children. We're going to be planting churches. We're going to be praying. We're going to be giving. We're going to be helping. We're going to be loving because that's who the body of Christ is. And so as I begin to look at the book of First Peter, we're going to wrap it up today. I begin to look through it. And, and I can see why Peter wrote that letter to the people that he described as aliens in a foreign land. Because that's how I feel. And I'm sure that's how you feel. But that's all right. Nobody is here by accident. God has brought us together. Week after week, I talk to people who have moved from some of the more crazier states into Florida because it was hard for them to live life. God is calling people into the body of Christ. His call to the body of Christ is to be strengthened, to take courage, drink Gatorade as necessary, and let's get back in the game. Okay? And so that was his message and I carried a key line out of first Peter. It said, remember your creator. We live in a time when people doubt creation. They have for a long time. But I think the thing that's, that really keeps me on the road is remembering the God who created me in all of his fullness. And I think that if we will begin to center on God, the things of God, and begin to center our life on these things. God will give us a supercharged, supernatural strength. We may not run as fast as we once did, but we'll move faster than if we land, live in the land of fear. You see, in this book, God gave us some wonderful things to consider. The first thing is he said, we are born to a living hope. Living. Now let me put that in perspective before we look at this verse in chapter three. When you were born, your dying was your destination. Do you realize that? When you were born, because we were born in sin, because of sin in the world, Our destination was death and there was no hope. Nobody knew what death was. We just knew that it had to be bad. When Jesus Christ came, Jesus Christ suffered the death just like we will. He was buried like we will be, but he rose that third day. And in that third day, he released that chain. He released that fear in all of us that dying was not an end. It was a beginning to the most wonderful life that we'll ever know. Peter said it like this. We are born again to a living hope. Look at verse 3. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy. Think about mercy. Mercifully, He gave us the key to death. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is a hope, friends. That's not something to be feared. It's something that we prepare for. To prepare to spend an eternity With the one who has loved us. No longer can Satan rattle the chains of death's chamber and cause fear to strike into our hearts. Now God has put within all of us that desire to strive and to live. But yet we realize that that day when we lay there and before Jesus takes us into his arms. We can foresee that peace. I have stood by the dead of I don't know how many hundreds of people as they lay dying and taking their last verse. And I want to tell you something. There is a definite difference between a person who has lived in a relationship with Jesus Christ and one who has not. And those who have not, they claw, they fear, they cry out. Many swear because they are afraid of what's going to happen. thats Do you realize that in the New Testament, when God refers to the death of his people, he talks about a sleep and he does not say death. Every reference to dying of the saints in the New Testament uses the word sleep. You know why? Because we wake up from our sleep, right? We're going to go to sleep because we have a living hope. Secondly, we have a sure inheritance. Verse 4 and 5. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept for you in heaven. That inheritance is grander. It's out of the realm of our thought. You know, today when we think about inheritance, we think about a rich relative, you know, dying and perhaps leaving you some money. I was informed not long ago that all of my rich relatives died in a poor house and I got a bill sent to me. There's nothing in this earth that is sure. Check your four oh one. Nothing is sure. When people say we're going to give you something, are they going to give you something? Jesus has said, I've got a place and inheritance. It's never going to perish. Be there waiting on you. It's not going to spoil. And it's not going to fade. And it's kept for us in heaven for us. Who, through faith, What's that word? Shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That revelation to be revealed in the last time is when Jesus Christ breaks that eastern sky and ends the whole thing. What a wonderful thing. Think about this, guys. You know, David has said in the psalmist, if God be before me... And God is my rock and my shield, who should I be afraid of? Because it's nothing but rattling of the sabers to try to get us off of focus. We need to we need to get over this word holy. You know, people will deny the high heaven. I go, Oh, I'm not holy. Why do we do that? Why do we run away from it? We are called to be holy. Verses 15 and 16. By just, but just as he who called you, he is God, is holy. So be holy in all that you do. You know, one of the great problems that's happened in the church is that even as the outside begins to doubt the word of God, even as the outside world begins to deny it, that somehow has drifted in on us and we, when we get to something that is hard for us to digest, we don't understand that. So we fear it or we, do, we have shovel theology. Do you know what shovel theology is? It happens every time anybody preaches. What you do is when it comes out, you take it in a shovel and pass it to the back person. And you keep shoveling it back And shoveling it back The word of God is our only hope in this life And we are a holy people When God looks at us Those who are in Christ Do you realize he doesn't see our sin He sees us as the holy vessel that he has created It's written, be holy because I'm holy I thought of this verse this morning I'm going to read to you Two verses Paul wrote this You were taught in regard to your former way of life, put off the old self. What Paul is saying, as he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I live in this flesh, I live by faith in the blessed Son of God. He is continually talking about putting off, doing away, walking away with that old self. We're taught to. Which is being corrupted by its sinful desires. Every desire, every time you are tempted, you're tempted by sin that has had you captured. Do you realize that? Satan doesn't create anything new. He just goes back to the same old thing to tempt you. To see if you he can draw you away. That is what is corrupting and will continually corrupt our old life. Paul said it's written, do away with it. And be made new in the attitude of your mind. Listen, attitude equals altitude. By that I mean this. If you put your foot on the floor on Monday morning and said, oh no, it's Monday. I can guarantee you a bad day and a bad week. Because you'll say in yourself, that's what I expected. What you ought to say, particularly when you get my age, thank God I can sit up on the side of my bed and take a breath. God has something in store for me today. It doesn't matter if it's raining, I'll get my umbrella. Doesn't matter if it's hot, turn on the air condition. Every day is a blessing from God. And we need to realize as long as He gives us those sunrises and sunsets, we're to be in the service of the King with a renewed mind. Attitude will put you in depression. Attitude will put you in a ditch. Attitude—it actually isolates you, because as as you become disgruntled in your life, some weird things begin to happen uh, in believers' life. They'll pull away from their church. They'll pull away from their friends, and they'll wind up sitting at home stewing and angry. Because they did not adjust their minds. Paul said put off that old self. It's being corrupted every day. And what did he say? Be made new. Listen this isn't a one shot deal. Every day we need to renew our mind. Remembering our creator. Then Paul said put on the new self. Created to be like God. In righteousness And holiness. God created us in order to be in fellowship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that as we grow in the knowledge and the experience and the serving and the giving, as we walk in Christ, we begin to bear that image. We love like He loves. We reach out like He reached out. We, we just give of ourselves. Because we are bearing the image that God created us to bear. Basically, we are becoming who we were created to be. And to me, that's beautiful. Not only that, we need to learn to live a submissive life. Uh, we like to talk about wives submit to your husbands and yada, yada. We, we got our own things we want to be submissive to. Scripture we're going to use here. Bring it up, Sue. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. Whether it be the king of supreme authority or the governors who are sent by hand to punish those who do wrong and do commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as servants of God. Excuse me. Do you see what's happened here? He's talking about people and institutions and things we can see. He's saying that there's a certain order of submissiveness that was created in the very, very beginning. When you read how God created the seas, he I've always imagined him. He said, don't go any further than this. Now, I know our seas have come up and they have gone, but they will always go back to where God drew the line. They are submissive to the creator who created them. And so in God's thinking, he's saying, if you will not submit yourself to things that you see, people that you know, you will never be submissive to me. And that is a fact. We begin to teach our children early in life that they are to obey us. And that is the beginning before you send them out and tell them about the laws of the land and these things and that. It begins right at the beginning. God is saying if you will not submit, and here's the biggest submissiveness, submitting to one another. Man, that's, that's what really gets us in trouble if, if we really be honest. Oh, I, I'll be submissive to that person, but I'm not going to be submissive over here. We are to live in a mutual submissiveness. And I want to take away the fear from you because if we live in a mutual submissiveness, nobody's going to run over you. Do you understand that? When we are all living, loving, submitting, serving each other, listen, it it, it's just a huge tsunami of a wave. That the world, those people that are languishing without hope, it's the lifeline they'll see. Knowing that, we're to have unity of mind. Bring that up, Sue. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. These are commands and not suggestions by God. God does not give multiple choice questions. He simply gives commands because He knows the end result of that command is what's going to be best for us. We forget that our Creator has already seen everything that will ever happen in this world. He talks about before the foundation. I knew you. He knows us. He's been there. He's done that. He knows the equipping we need. We need to be sympathetic. We need to love as brothers, be compassionate, and be humble. We don't need to repay evil with evil or insult for insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit the blessing. For whosoever would love life. Everybody want to love life? Say amen. How many of you want to see good days? Huh? Come on, that's in the trick. <laughs> Keep your tongue from evil. See, that's the key. Your lips from being deceitful in their speech. He must turn from evil and do good, must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. God is watching. You know, sometimes we think we can just take a vacation from God and go in another location and see what we do. How many of you have ever been somewhere and maybe you did something or went somewhere you wouldn't ordinarily go and you run into one of your friends and they wave? See, sometimes they're afraid to wave at you because they don't want you to see them. But see, that's a miserable life to lead. Can you see the deception that we can cause ourselves to live in instead of just openly, honestly trusting God? Some of you are saying, yeah, but there's a lot of people that don't do that. Trust God. His eyes are on us. He has our back. He will repay. It's not in our job description. We are to follow the instructions of God, live a holy life with a renewed mind, and have unity of that mind. Me, the unity of the mind as large as Tomoka is, is one thing. And that was the mission that Jesus Christ commissioned the early disciples Go into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. He said to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. And you see, the unifying fact of a large church or a small church is the mission and we are commissioned and commanded to fulfill the mission which is to reap the harvest so that when Jesus Christ comes then we have people who have come to Christ his kingdom is come his kingdom is grown and they we are part of that building a kingdom now amen listen we're stewards of god's grace i like this one Chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Our goal. Our goal. You want a goal you can meet? To live in and for the will of God. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Have you ever read a mission statement on a business or a church and it's that long? And when you finish it, you don't know what the mission is? To live in and for the will of God. I like that. Therefore... Because that's our goal. Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude. goes back to the mind. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desire. See, that's why you are done with sin. You are putting off the old self and putting on the new. You have been renewed in the spirit of your mind. And so you just live the rest of your time against the evil desires, but rather for the will of God. And that fulfills your goal. Folks, this isn't rocket scientist. Jesus has laid a path that anyone can follow. It doesn't matter. It's not our strength that we live and breathe and have our being. It's in the strength of Almighty God. But I want you to understand something. We have an enemy who is not for us. He is totally against us. First Peter reminds us, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time. Let me explain that. why he said that. Bring that back up, Sue, please. Thank you. We are not to go into a battle thinking, I got this. I'm going to whip this. I'm going to overcome this addiction. I'm going to overcome this habit. I'm going to do this. You humbled yourself under God's mighty hand. He will lift you and carry you in and for the will of God, okay? Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Why do we carry anxiety? Why? Well, we are told, why do you think every weather station's, uh, uh, every news station weather is called storm weather? You ever thought about that? Soon as they say there's a hurricane, 3,841 miles, everybody runs to the store and buys toilet paper and water and goes home. That's what they do. The stores stay empty for months because everybody's got it in their house. Because of fear and anxiety. Now I'm not saying don't be smart. No, God didn't call us to be stupid. Prepare. But don't have Don't let it drive you into fear and anxiety. Be self-controlled. Stand in front of a mirror and talk to yourself. And then get on your knees and talk to God. Be alert. Your enemy, your devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Let me tell you about it. Anxiety is Satan's roar. If you go to the jungle and you hear a lion roar. I had a guide, a Maasai guide tell me that. He said, "Do you know why that lion is roaring?" And I said, "No. Nah, I guess he feels like it. He's the king of the jungle." He said, "No." He said, "When a lion roars, there's a certain percentage of the the, the prey that he wants will come out from under cover and run." And he says, "That's the one that he goes after." So, what does Satan do to us? He loads us up with anxiety and fear. We hide in our home. We hide from our friends. We quit associating. We quit trusting God. Anxiety overtakes us and we are running. Satan's got you, folks. Give it up. Get rid of it. Listen, Paul, we're not going to bring this scripture up. But in Ephesians, Paul says, You need to dress for battle, which is the full armor of God. Helmet of salvation breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. The belt of truth connects the sword of the word. It connects the breast. It connects the helmet. It holds everything together. He said, get on shoes that are ready to go. And then he says, pray. A Roman soldier would go back to the barracks and take his armor off until the next battle. I wanna remind you something, friends. We are in a battle 24 seven. We don't take our armor off. We stay armed. And when you've got that armor on, it will, and you have learned to try that armor and you see that it resists Satan. You see that he is defeated in your life. There's something about you that you get up in the morning and you say, come on Satan, give me your best shot. My God's not through with you yet. Your attitude, how you face it. Oh, this isn't you know the sunshine uh, speeches that people give you. This is a fact, a reality of life. When you trust the word of God as truth and you put it in your life and live as truth, you overcome. Finally, trust your Creator. First Peter four nineteen said it like this: So then, those who suffer according to will God's will will commit themselves. To a faithful creator. And continue to do good. When you live in fear. You abandon. There are stories that I've read about the Titanic. People that escaped the boat. And was in a lifeboat. But they become afraid the lifeboat might sink. And they dove into freezing waters. And died. We serve a faithful creator. God created the heavens and earth and all that's in it. But then he created his crowning creation. Crowning creation. You and I. He formed us intricately in our mother's womb. He breathed the breath of life into us. And then he showed us. The way of life and back to him. How many know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Isn't that a good one? I'm just going to tell you the story in a nutshell. Everybody was to bow down to this image of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in the in crowd. Oh, Neb knew them on a first name basis. And so when he was told they was not bending and bowing, it kind of surprised him. In fact, he gave them a second shot. And, and they they just simply said to you, listen, we're not going to argue with you, Neb. Our God is able to deliver us. And then they added on, and he will deliver us. But if he doesn't, we're not going to bend. and We're not going to bow. Nebuchadnezzar said, you'll burn. And the boys said, no. They didn't bend, they didn't bow, they did not burn. I challenge you, start in chapter 38 of the book of Job. God confronts man. Let me tell you what his first words were to Job after all of his suffering. Who is this that darkens counsel? The word counsel there means truth who darkens counsel by words without knowledge. Dress for action, act like a man, and I will question you. Man, I would love to have Jesus show up at Pennsylvania Avenue. (laughs) Dress for action, boys. You've been darkening my counsel. Let me question you. And God began to say, where were you when I did this? You see, folks, we have this habit of in the midst of the battle of life. And listen, you guys just didn't realize at later age you're in a battle for life. You learned that very early. And it's for survival. And Jesus Christ is willing to equip us through his son Jesus Christ. Not just to live life. Listen we are to be observant. And aware of the circumstances. But we were not created to be. A prisoner of circumstances. So shake them off. Take off the old. Put on the new. Get back into the ball game. Pray. Serve. Give. Trust God. When things grow dark. Trust God your creator he's got it as they say in this day and time if you look at creation it proves God knows what he's doing <laughs> why do we doubt him is there somebody here this morning that's never received Christ I mean you've tried on your own to live a good life you've tried on your own to get rid of addiction you online listening have you If you're there at home, hit that, I have decided. We'll talk with you. Because you see, Jesus prepared the way. He suffered like none of us suffered. He died our death. He took our stripes. He took our grave. But he came out. And he said, because I live, you can live. Please, get back in the game. It will turn your life around you find new energy. Your mind will, will not wonder. Your mind will be fixed on the things of God. That's why God sent his son. And that's why God wrote it all down right here. Will you call him today? Will you surrender to him today? Father, we thank you for your word. In this day and time, we need to know truth. And truth has stood the time. The test of millions of centuries. Lord, today draw to you. May we be submissive to you, O God. Because the result is life. Life abundant. In Christ's name, amen.